Hello, and welcome to The Space Above Us. Episode 1, An Introduction. On October 4th, 1957, the Soviet Union changed the world forever. It was on that day that a small metal sphere named Sputnik was lofted into the heavens atop a modified ballistic missile, becoming the world's first artificial satellite, an artificial moon. What followed was a competition of staggering proportions between superpowers, a contest of technological prowess, industrial capability, bravery, and willpower. The space race was simultaneously a demonstration of the pinnacle of human ingenuity, a story of exploration as old as our species, and yet just one small step on the way to becoming a true spacefaring civilization. This podcast aims to tell part of that story. Hi, my name is J.P. Burke. I'm a software developer by day and spaceflight fanatic by, well, really all the time. This podcast, The Space Above Us, is an idea I've been toying with for a number of years, and I finally decided to go for it. I listened to a lot of history podcasts, and every once in a while I would find myself wishing that there was a podcast that covered spaceflight in a way similar to my favorite podcasts. After thinking this thought one too many times, I finally got to work reading, writing, and bothering my friends with questions about microphones. And now here we are. I should state right at the outset that I'm by no means an expert. I have no training in historical research, I don't always have time to read as in-depth as I'd prefer, and I'm sure to make mistakes. I should also say that I am not above using Wikipedia for a quick refresher on a topic or simple fact such as a launch date, though I will try to stick to primary and reputable secondary sources. The real goal of this podcast is to share my enthusiasm for spaceflight with the world, but also to serve as a great way for myself to learn more about this subject I so love. I hope you'll learn something with me and pardon any lapses in accuracy we encounter along the way. Fans of the excellent The History of Rome and Revolutions podcasts by Mike Duncan should feel right at home with this podcast. I've been listening to both podcasts for many years now, and I've listened to them both in their entirety several times. I enjoy Mike's comprehensive and lucid style. Start at the beginning and methodically work your way through to the end. No injected drama, no embellishments, but the odd dry joke now and again should be just fine. With all that said, let me get into some of the concrete production details for the podcast. The subject matter will specifically be NASA spaceflights with a human crew on board, where a spaceflight is defined by any flight that passes the Kármán line, 100 kilometers in altitude. I realize that this will exclude a number of fascinating missions, but I had to draw the line somewhere in order to have a reasonable goal. The only exceptions I will make in regards to this rule will be the tragic loss of the crews of Apollo 1 and the Space Shuttle Challenger on the mission STS-51L, which were both lost before crossing the generally recognized 100-kilometer boundary into space. This means I will be covering Project Mercury, Project Gemini, the Apollo program, Skylab, the Apollo-Soyuz test project, and all 135 Space Shuttle missions. It also means I will be including two X-15 flights, I realize this is somewhat unusual, but two X-15 flights did exceed 100 kilometers in altitude, so that sounds like a NASA-piloted spaceflight mission to me. Plus, it gives me a great excuse to learn more about NASA's first piloted space plane project. This also means I will be excluding all purely robotic missions, all Soviet and Russian flights, all Chinese flights, and any commercial space flights done without NASA crew on board, such as the flights of Spaceship One, or perhaps soon, Boeing and SpaceX flights. 
I will also be excluding the expedition missions to the International Space Station and the NASA astronaut stints on the Russian space station Mir due to their extreme duration, though I'm sure they will come up in the narrative. This is not to say that these missions are not worth learning more about. Far from it. But even with my somewhat limited criteria, I'm already looking at 169 episodes at the time of this recording, so I think I'll have my hands full. For any forward-looking listeners who are optimistic about the future of this podcast, yes, if the current schedule holds, there will be new NASA-piloted space flights by the time I reach the final flight of the space shuttle on STS-135. I haven't made any decisions on if the show would go on at this point, but it's a long way off, so let's take this one step at a time. Other than today, when I'm releasing this introduction and the first two episodes, the plan is to release a new episode on every other Thursday. I'm not sure how realistic that schedule will be for me, so I'm committing to it only until the end of the Gemini program when I will reassess. At that point, I may have to slow down a bit, or I may realize it's not as time-consuming as I feared, and I'll be able to release on a weekly basis. But fear not. That includes six episodes on Project Mercury, two for the X-15, and ten for Project Gemini, for a total of 38 weeks of podcasts, plus any supplementals I come up with. Supplementals? That's right. In addition to the main episodes covering each space mission, I also plan on releasing a number of supplementals, which will allow me to get into more detail about specific subtopics such as spacecraft components, notable events outside of missions, or background for an entire program. The supplementals may also serve as a convenient way to answer listener questions without derailing the main narrative. To get really specific on the production details, because who doesn't love overly intricate production strategies, The plan is to release the supplementals on the main podcast feed, but with alternate episode numbering in the titles. So while every other week you will see a new main episode, you may also see a supplemental episode that may or may not be directly related to that week's main episode. It could be additional detail on something in the main episode, it could be in response to a spaceflight event in modern times, it could be in response to a listener question, you get the idea. You can think of the supplementals as running along a parallel track to the main mission episodes. They're really just there to give me a little flexibility. Lastly, this podcast is intended for listeners of all ages and all knowledge levels of spaceflight. I'm sure at one point I will take some fact for granted and leave some listeners confused, but I will try hard to strike a balance between teaching the basics while maintaining an engaging narrative for hardcore space fans. If I ever breeze past a topic that you were unclear on, I'm sure you weren't alone, so please contact me, I'll give my contact info in just a second, and ask me to clarify. I suppose that's all that needs to be said. I want to sincerely thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast, and I hope you enjoy it. If you have any questions, comments, feedback in general, or just want to say hi and let me know that you're listening, please email me at jp at thespaceabove.us, or contact me via Twitter under the username at spaceaboveus. I left the the out of the Twitter name to save a few characters. There's also a Facebook page, facebook.com slash thespaceaboveus, but I don't really know how Facebook works, so no promises there. Lastly, additional information will be available at the show's website, thespaceabove.us. Before we get to the end of the introduction, I have a little interjection. From the future! I always vowed to never be one of these guys who goes back and re-records the first episode of his podcast, so the rest of this audio is completely intact, but I needed to add just a little bit to the middle here. The episode you're listening to now was released in May of 2016, and I'm now recording this little section in September of 2022. 
Needless to say, a lot has changed in the world over the last six and a half years, but the space above us is still going strong. But even if the show ended tomorrow, there would still be plenty for you to enjoy. If you're just starting, you can look forward to Project Mercury, the X-15, Project Gemini, the Apollo program, Skylab, the Apollo-Soyuz test project, and 83 flights of the space shuttle and counting. All spread across around 75 hours of audio, and including three astronaut interviews, a surprise appendectomy, and a 100th episode question and answer special. Okay, so why jump the gun and tell you about all this right as you're getting started? I just wanted to take the opportunity to make a few minor corrections and draw your attention to a couple of things early on. First, in the previous section, I mentioned some contact information, including a Facebook page. Well, I pretty quickly abandoned the Facebook page and Facebook in general, so don't bother trying to seek me out there. The best options are still email, jp at thespaceabove.us, or Twitter, at spaceaboveus. In fact, since I try to avoid including programming notes or references to current events in the show itself, the Twitter feed is the best way to stay up to date. At least for now. Second, a note on terminology. The correct term for spaceflight with a human crew is crewed spaceflight. That is C-R-E-W-E-D. Unfortunately, for the first 40 or so missions we cover, the crews were entirely men. For this reason, you'll often hear me slip into the more dated term manned spaceflight, at least until we get to the shuttle era. Old habits die hard. Third, the show has remained, and will always remain, free and ad-free. But after a few years of people asking how to help support the show, I finally did something about it. You are more than welcome to enjoy every second of the show without paying me a dime, 100% guilt-free. I'm just delighted that you're listening. But if you would like to contribute, there is now donation information on the show's website, thespaceabove.us. For a one-time donation, you can just PayPal me at jp at thespaceabove.us, but there's also a Patreon for ongoing support. The Patreon does come with some bonus content, but I have made sure to only stick to stuff that would not normally be on the main feed. That is, I'm doing my best to not withhold content that rightfully should be free and then putting it behind a paywall. That said, the bonuses are pretty fun. Depending on the donation tier, there is access to a Discord chat room, commentary tracks for various space movies, and monthly voice chats with me, along with some other odds and ends. You can find that at patreon.com slash thespaceaboveus. Fourth, I wanted to note that the show is available just about everywhere podcasts are available. This includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, YouTube, and probably others I'm forgetting. But I would encourage you to use a dedicated podcast app and use the RSS feed available on the show's website, thespaceabove.us. Other services, I'm looking at you Spotify, have been known to insert advertisements into the show, which I have no control over and receive no benefit from. If you want to get the show straight from the source, the RSS feed is the way to go. Fifth, I specifically said that I would not be covering the long-duration NASA stints on Mir, Well, I totally am covering the long-duration NASA stints on Mir, and they're crazy. On the last one I covered, Jerry Lininger was on Mir when a big fire broke out, so yeah, you have that to look forward to. Sixth, while it is true that I still do check Wikipedia to remind myself of a launch date or who was on what flight, 
I made it sound like I'm setting the bar pretty low for sources. But rest assured that the sources I actually ended up using are nothing to worry about. Official press kits and mission reports, contemporaneous news reports, oral histories, reputable space histories, and even stuff like crew operations manuals are the norm. If I can't find a solid source for a bit of information, I'll be sure to let you know. So I fully stand by anything you hear on the show. Seventh, when I wrote this intro, I was a software engineer working in New York City. Well, just by coincidence, a few months later, I started working at the NASA Goddard Space Flight Center in Greenbelt, Maryland. So, while I'm still doing this as a personal project in an unofficial capacity, I do technically work for a NASA contractor now. These days, I'm working on the OSAM-1 mission. And lastly, I will just one more time recommend checking out the show's website, thespaceabove.us, since it includes some extra information. There is a recommended book list, as well as a list of sources and citations that comes with eye-watering detail. The sources list is almost always at least several months out of date, and I've been slowly working through cataloging the sources for the early episodes, but it's something. Okay, future me has talked long enough. I'm thrilled that you're taking the time to check out the show, and I really hope you enjoy it. Take it from here, 2016 me. Since there is no mission this week, and we're just getting started, I think I'll wrap this up with a bit of an extended quotation that helps convey why I feel so strongly about this subject in the first place. Carl Sagan said, We had an expansive run in the 60s and 70s. You might have thought, as I did then, that our species would be on Mars before the century was over. But instead, we've pulled inward. Robots aside, we've backed off from the planets and the stars. I keep asking myself, is it a failure of nerve or a sign of maturity? Maybe it's the most we could reasonably have expected. In a way, it's amazing it was possible at all. We sent a dozen humans on week-long excursions to the moon, missions that returned a wealth of data, but nothing of short-term, everyday, bread-on-the-table practical value. Or at least not much. They lifted the human spirit, though. They enlightened us about our place in the universe. A highly visible program affecting our view of ourselves might clarify the fragility of our planetary environment and the common peril and responsibility of all the nations and peoples of Earth. There's something more. Spaceflight speaks to something deep inside many of us, if not all. A scientific colleague tells me about a recent trip to the New Guinea Highlands where she visited a Stone Age culture hardly contacted by Western civilization. They were ignorant of wristwatches, soft drinks, and frozen food, but they knew about Apollo 11. They knew that humans had walked on the moon. They knew the names of Armstrong and Aldrin and Collins. They wanted to know who was visiting the moon these days. Projects that are future-oriented, that despite their political difficulties can be completed only in some distant decade, are continuing reminders that there will be a future. Winning a foothold on other worlds whispers in our ears that we're more than Picts, or Serbs, or Tongans, or humans. In the meantime, people everywhere hunger to understand. The idea that we've now understood something never grasped by anybody who ever lived before, that exhilaration, especially intense for the scientists involved, but perceptible to nearly everybody, propagates through the society, bounces off walls, and comes back at us. It encourages us to address problems in other fields that have also never before been solved. It increases the general sense of optimism in the society. It gives currency to critical thinking of the sort urgently needed 
if we are to solve hitherto intractable social issues. It helps stimulate a new generation of scientists. The more science in the media, especially if methods are described as well as conclusions and implications, the healthier I believe the society is. There's plenty of housework to be done here on Earth, and our commitment to it must be steadfast. But we're the kind of species that needs a frontier for fundamental biological reasons. Every time humanity stretches itself, it receives a jolt of productive vitality that can carry it for centuries. Yuri Romanenko, on returning to Earth after what was then the longest spaceflight in history, said, The cosmos is a magnet. Once you've been there, all you can think of is how to get back. Thanks, Carl. Ad Astra, catch you on the next pass.